everyone. This is the continuation of chapter 18, Annabeth's Obedience School. Panic closed up my throat. What was I doing here? There's people around me. They were dead. Abbott grabbed hold of my hand. Under more normal circumstances, this wouldn't embarrass me, but I understood how she felt. She wanted reassurance that somebody else was alive in this boat. I found myself muttering a prayer, though I wasn't sure who I was praying to. Down here, only God, one God mattered, and he was the one I had to come to confront. The shoreline of the underworld came into view. Craggy rocks and black volcanic sand stretched inland about a hundred yards to the base of a high stone wall, which marched off in either direction as far as we could see. A sound came from somewhere nearby in the green gloom, echoing off the stones, the howl of a large animal. All three phrases hungry. Charon said, his smile turned skeletal in the greenish light. Bad luck for you, godlings. The bottom of our boat slid into the black sand. The dead began to disembark. A woman holding a little girl's hand, an old man and an old woman hobbling along arm in arm. A boy no older than I was, shuffling silently along in his gray robe. Karen said, I'd wish you luck, mates, but there isn't any down here. Mind you, don't forget to mention my pay raise. He counted our golden coins in his pouch and took up his pole and warbled something that sounded like Barry Manilow's song as he ferried empty barge back across the river. We followed the spirits up well-worn path. I wasn't sure what I was expecting. Pearly gaze or a big black particles? Or something, but entrance to the underworld looked like cross between airport and security in a Jersey turnpike. There were three separate entrances under one huge black archway that said, You are now entering Eberus. Erebus. Each entrance has a pass through metal door detector with security cameras mounted on top. Beyond this were tool boots manned by black robed ghouls like Charon. The howling of a hungry animal is re really loud now, but I couldn't see where it was coming from. The tree-headed dog, Severus, who was supposed to guard Hades' door, was no one, nowhere to be seen. The dead queued up the lines, two marked attendant on duty, and one marked East Dead. The East Dead line was moving right along, the other two were crawling. What do you figure, I asked Annabeth. The fast line must go straight to the asphalt fields, he, she said. No contest. They don't want to risk judgment from the court because it might go against them. There's a court for dead people? Yeah, three judges. They switch around who sits on the bench. King Minus, Thomas Jefferson, Shakespeare, people like that. Sometimes they took out their life and decide that a person needs a special reward. The fields of volition. Sometimes they decide on punishment. But most people, well, they just live. Nothing good, nothing special, good or bad. So they go to the asphalt fields. And do what? Grover said. Imagine standing on a wheat field in Kansas forever. Harsh, I said. Not as harsh as that, Grover muttered. Look. A couple of black-robed ghouls had pulled aside one spirit 
and were frisking him at the security desk. The face of the dead man looked vaguely familiar. He's the preacher made the news, remember? Oh yeah, I did remember now. We'd see him on TV a couple times of Nancy Academy dorm. This, it was this annoying televenist from upstate New York who'd raised millions of dollars for orphanages and got caught spending the money on stuff for his mansion, like gold-plated toilet seats and an outdoor putt-putt golf course. He died in a police chase when he was Lamborghini for the Lord went off the cliff. I said, What are they doing to him? Special punishment from Hades? Grover guessed. They're really bad people get his personal attention as soon as they arrive. The fur the kindly ones will set up entering internal torture for him. The thought of the Furies made me shudder. I realized I was in their home territory now. All Mrs. Dodds would be licking her lips with anticipation. But if he's a preacher, I said, and he believes in a different hell. Grover shrugged. Who said that seeing this place is the way we're seeing it? Humans see what they want to see. You're very stubborn or persistent that way. He got closer to the gate. The howling was so loud now it shook the door at my feet. I shook the ground it shook the ground at my feet, but I still couldn't figure out where it was coming from. Then about fifty feet in front of us the green mist shimmered, standing just where the pat pile pat split into the tree. Tree lanes was an enormous shadowy monster. I hadn't seen it before because it was half transparent, like the dead. Until it moved, it blended with whatever it was behind it. Only its eyes and teeth looked solid, and it was staring straight at me. My jaw hung open. All I could think to say was, he's a rottweiler. I always imagined Cerberus as a big black mastiff, but he was obviously a purblood Rottweiler, except of course that he was twice the size of a woolly mammoth, mostly invisible, and he had three heads. The dead walked right up to him, no fear at all. The attendant on duty lines parted on either side of him. The ease dead spirits walked right between his front paws and under his belly, which they could do without even crouching. I'm starting to see him better, I muttered. Why is that? I think Annabeth moistened her lips. I'm afraid it's because we're being getting closer to being dead. The dog's middle head grained toward us. It sniffed the air and growled. It can smell the living, I said. But that's okay, Grover said, trembling next to me, because we have a plan. Right, Annabeth said. I never heard her voice sound quite so small. A plan. A plan. We moved toward a monster. The mill had snarled at us, then barked so loud my eyeballs rattled. Can you understand it? Oh yeah, I can understand it. What is it saying? I don't think humans have a four-letter world that translates exactly. I took the big stick out of my backpack, a bead post. I broke enough Prassy's Safari Deluxe floor model. I held it up and tried to channel happy dog talks towards Severus, a 
flow commercials, cute little puppies, fire hydrants. I tried to smile like I wasn't about to die. Hey, big fella, I called up. I bet they don't play with you much. Growl. Growl. Good boy, I said weakly. I waved the stick. The dog's mill had followed the movement. The other two had strained their eyes on me, completely ignoring the spirits. I had to bear his undivided attention. I wasn't sure that was a good thing. Fetch! I threw the stick into the gloom. A good solid throw. I heard it go kerploosh in the river sticks. Cerberus glared at me, unimpressed. His eyes were baleful and cold. So much for the plan. Cerberus was now making a new kind of growl. Deeper down the street, troops. Um, Grover said, Percy, yeah? I just thought you'd want to know, yeah? Servers, he's saying we got 10 seconds to pray to the god of our choice. After that, well, he's hungry. Wait, Annabeth said. He will start riffling through her pack. Uh-oh, I thought. Five seconds, do we run now? Grover produced a red rubber ball the size of her grapefruit. He was labeled Waterland Denver, K-O, Co. Before I could stop her, she raised the ball and marched straight up to Cerberus. She said, See the ball? You want the ball? Cerberus, sit! Cerberus looked as stunned as we were. The tree is his head caught sideways. Six notches dilatilled. Sit! Annabeth called again. I was sure that any moment she would become the world's largest McBone dog biscuit. But instead, Cerberus licked his three sets of lips, shifted into his haunches, and sat, immediately crushing a dozen spirits who had been passing underneath him and as deadline. The spirits made muffled hisses as they dissipated, as they dissipated like air let out of tires. Annabeth said, Good boy! She threw Cerberus the ball. He caught it in middle mouth. It was barely big enough for him enough to shoot, and the other heads started snapping at the milk, trying to get the new toy. Drop it, Abbott ordered. And Cerberus' heads stopped fighting and looked at her, the ball wedged between two of his teeth, like a tiny piece of gum. He made a loud, scary whimper, then dropped the ball, now slimy, and bit it nearly in half at Annabeth's feet. Good boy, she picked up the ball, ignoring the monster's spit over it. He turned toward us. Go now, ease that line, it's faster. I said, but now, she ordered, in the same tone she was using on the dog. Grover and I inched forward wildly. Cerberus started to growl. Stay, Annabeth ordered the monster. If you want the ball, stay. Cerberus whimpered, but he stayed where he was. What about you? I asked Annabeth as we passed her. I know what I'm doing, Percy, she muttered. At least, I'm pretty sure. Grover and I walked between the monster's legs. Please, Annabeth, I prayed. Don't tell him to sit again. We made it through. Cerberus wasn't any less scary looking from the back. Annabeth said, good dog. She held up the red, tattered red ball and probably came to the same conclusion. I did. If she rewarded Cerberus, there'd be nothing left for another trick. She threw the ball anyway. The monster's left mouth immediately snatched it up, only to be attacked by the middle head, while the right head moaned in protest. While the monster was distracted, Annabeth walked briskly under its belly and joined us at the metal detector. How did you do that? I asked her, amazed. Obedience, school, she said breathlessly. 
as and I was sure surprised to see there were tears in her eyes. When I was little, at my dad's house, we had a Doberman. I never, never mind that, Grover said, tugging at my shirt. Come on! We were about to bolt through the east deadline work. Cerberus moaned pitifully from all three mounts. Annabeth stopped. She turned to face the dog, which had gone a 180 look at us. Cerberus panted expectantly, a tiny red ball in pieces, and a pile of drool at his feet. Good boy, Annabeth said, but her voice sounded mickly and uncertain. The monster's heads turned sideways, as if worried about her. I'll bring you another bowl soon, Annabeth promised faintly. Would you like that? The monster whimpered. I didn't need to speak dog to know. Severus was still waiting for the ball. Good dog, I'll come to visit you soon. I I promise. Annabeth turned to us. Let's go. Grover and I pushed through the metal doors. Detector, which immediately screamed and set flashing red lights. Unauthorized possessions, magic detected. Severus started to bark. We burst through the east dead gate, which started more, even more alarms playing, and raced into the underworld. A few minutes later, we were hiding, out of breath, in the rotting trunk of an immense black tree as security goes scuttled past, yelling for backup for the Furies. Grover murmured, Yell per- Well, Percy, we have we learned today? What have we learned today? That three-headed dogs prefer red rubber balls over sticks? That three-headed dogs prefer red rubber balls over sticks? No, Grover told me. We've learned that your plants really, really bite. I wasn't sure about that. I thought maybe Annabelle and I both had the right idea. Even here in the underworld, everybody, even monsters, need a little attention once in a while. I thought about that as we waited for the ghouls to pass. I pretend not to see Annabelle wipe a tear from her cheek. I shall listen to the mournful keening of Cerberus in the distance, longing for his new friend. That is the end of chapter 18. Please stay tuned for chapter 19.